to episode 79 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Nick Rehack of French Toast Sunday. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Thank you so much for having me back. Hopefully you're, you're not drunk yet. You're still holding, you're, you're waiting a little bit. I'm I'm with bated breath. Okay, it's it's a little it's a little early in the in in the podcast to to get there. You know, it might be a little That's late true. today, but it's early in the podcast. <laughs> Never too early. Well, or is it? We'll find out. I don't know. We'll have to find out. So, basic yesterday's episode ended with oh, oh sorry, today's episode begins with Roger continuing his order. We get to finally hear what he actually is telling Mac, and goes all the way till Goff. Licking his palm, which is it will be something interesting to discuss uh, a little later today. We'll get to that. So basically, yesterday's episode ended with Ramsey, Cavendish, and Mac pondering what possibly Hilts and Duff are doing with the wagon loads or wheelbarrow loads of potatoes without really coming to any type of conclusion. And their their discussion is cut off by Roger coming back to join the trio, and Roger starts saying, Mac, we'll close down. And today he finishes his sentence by saying, we'll close down Dick and Harry. Seal them off. Which is an interesting way to do it. Basically, he's come to the conclusion that we're, we're close enough. Cavendish has said that they only have 50 feet left on, on Tom, so we're going to get out of... We're going to use Tom and get out of here. So we're going to... Uh, devote all of our efforts only on digging digging through Tom. Which I I don't really like that. I I I can understand and appreciate that they want to you know make it to you know where it's going to be a lot darker and they want to get out of there you know sooner than later. But I think I think the smart play would have been like seventy five percent on one tunnel and then maybe twenty five on another. And maybe, like, the third tunnel that they had an idea was more of a, um, I don't know, an extravagant idea. Maybe pull back on that one. But I think having a backup would have been a little more safe and secure. But then again, it probably would have taken them into August, which they seemed reluctant to do to begin with. But I I kind of wish they wouldn't have – I don't know. I just wish they would have kept one open. Right. Well, I, I think the reason that they, they do it this way and, and – I don't even know if logistically it's possible because let's say you have four guys working at a time in each, in each tunnel. Okay, so you have 12 guys digging. All right? at All at the same time in each of the three tunnels at mm-hmm. the same time. You know they have six-hour shifts, 12-hour shifts. I don't know what... However, they, 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 they set up the shifts. It doesn't really make a difference. Okay, but mathematically. So, okay, now we're going to close up two of them. How are they going to put all 12 guys in the same tunnel... And be more effective. They're, they're limited. Ooh. They're limited in their space. I didn't even think about that. You know, if you only have room for four guys to dig, so how are you making things faster? Is it because then you have more people at different intervals in order to, to pass the, the dirt back and stuff like that? But then, I mean, you have a lot of people anyway. That that's the only thing I could think of. It just it makes it easier to, you know, it's it's. It's a quicker pace of getting all the dirt out. That's the only. But he, that's the only real solution I can think of. But even then, they would have to find ways of dispersal. I mean, yeah, you could kind of do a uh, a daisy chain 
and find a way to kind of get it out from the tunnel and maybe store it in a room temporarily. But until you're able to go through and figure out like, okay, we're going to put it up to here and then it goes here, it goes there. Because if not, it's going to fill up really quick. And no, you can easily but, interchange but out guys but too. So, But they're only getting from one tunnel instead of from three, tw- three tunnels. Right, but if they're still putting it all out, they still got to find like where to put it at. And if they're digging at night, they can't. They don't have a whole lot of opportunity to go like, oh, we're going to go put some over here. We're going to put some dirt over there. Like it's going to pile up wherever they are, and then they have to take that much more time to disperse it. Right. And now I, I remember when reading in the book, one of the things that they did was is when they decided to stop working on one of the tunnels, they actually started refilling that tunnel with the dirt. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, so they, they, you know, so in this, and, and, and that, that's something that really, you know, that genuinely happened. So let's say, okay, we're going to stop working on Harry, so let's take all the dirt from Tom that we're pulling out and put it into Harry and start filling up Harry. They, they would also hide things in the tunnels themselves. That makes sense. You know, a lot of, a lot of their, uh, uh, a lot of the contraption and stuff like that, they would hide in other tunnels. That weren't that weren't currently being dug, you know that type of thing. Okay, so, so like little extra storage pockets. Okay, all right, that makes I'll buy that. That makes a lot more sense then. Yeah, but the the, the I still have a problem. I, I agree with you. I have a problem with the logistical aspect of of like what's the point of cutting off the you know the work on on all three because it doesn't sound as if it's going to make things more effective. No, I don't. I mean, it's possible that, that, that it's possible that it is, but but putting twelve guys on a four man job is not going to help. Yeah, I was going to say that's more crowded. Yep, and and it's going to be hotter in there, and it's going to you know make make the, the situation much much more difficult. Yeah, like just like you're saying, in theory, sounds nice, but in application, not so much. Right. But okay, if Roger makes that order, then there's a reason for it again. He's the boss. That's right. There's a, there's a reason he's the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and Mac just says, okay, no problem. Pretty much. <laughs> no, you say so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the idea is, okay, put all the effort into Tom and we'll press uh, press off to the tre- into the trees. You know, even though we're we're still 20 feet short. <laughs> but that, that's a separate issue. <laughs> you know, only, only Cavendish knows that. Then we... we, we Get uh, we, we get a, a new scene where we see Goff uh, stumbling through a corridor inside one of the barracks, really stumbling because he keeps bumping into the sides. He's he's carrying uh, you know these these satchels that make him look like he's Santa Claus because he's you know or or maybe someone who just you know who, who just hit a uh, hit a house you know and, and is stealing <laughs> everything you know they put everything. He's a cat burglar. <laughs> Guff just just robbed everyone. Yeah, <laughs> he's not the only. Hey look, hey look, I got a camera. I got a pickaxe. <laughs> I'm not the only scrounger here. <laughs> That's right. Mm. Uh, and so he like stumbles across again. This is we're we're back to another comical moment in 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 the movie. I, actually, the I think the rest of this minute is is completely uh, comical. Anyway. So, but he he stumbles across, and then he tries to get into the room, and he's not able to get into the room, and starts, you know, banging on the the, the door a little bit with the, with his back, 
and at this point, Hiltz opens the door and like pulls him in in a very comical fashion. You know, it's something you would see in a cartoon. Yeah, absolutely. You know, someone can't get through because he's he's either too fat or he's holding something. You know, that that's too large. So someone just pulls him very very firmly, and eventually, you know, they they come out the other end. So it's 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 a little too comical, in my opinion. Now, what's interesting is when we discussed this earlier in the week about where they are doing this. And apparently they're in some sort of storeroom because you can see that there are, you know, six brooms on the side of the on the side of the wall there. Yeah, brooms, dozens of blankets. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's behind them to the right when they're standing in front of the door. I don't know if those are. They don't look like hats. I I don't know. It's there's like a cabinet right. or something. Well, I, I like the fact that there's a clipboard on the side because that basically okay, you got to sign out. Oh yeah, <laughs> like they're keeping inventory. Oh, it's stock count today. Oh, seven brooms still got seven brooms. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Wait, there's one room missing. <laughs> Who's got the broom? Check the sign out yeah, sheet. There are all these <laughs> right. That's right. There are all these little boxes. Maybe that's where they kept the little film. Maybe one that looks like it says on a 3D. It actually says 30. But uh, still, it looks funny. It looks like it's... This is the 3D film. <laughs> the, the Great uh, Escape, the E, the 3 and E. Uh, the E is the 3. There you go. Completely. And they, they then they empty out the the, the different satchels that, that he's holding, and they're, they're filled with potatoes. Obviously, these potatoes are, are not uh, uh, peeled yet. So they're, you know, they're... It's going to be a little bit harder for them to do whatever they need to do here. And then we, we get Henley, who is, for the first time, actually in an undershirt, also very white. Uh, not as white as his turtleneck, yeah. but still <laughs> quite white. <laughs> and Goff is is quite exhausted because he's now sitting down trying to catch his breath. And, uh, I, I mean, it looks like they're, they're, they're doing, like, a science experiment. Mm-hmm. That, that's what that's what looks it, – it's hilarious. To, to, to think about it now, I mean I know nothing about about brewing or anything like that. You you might know a little more than I do about this. What's interesting is is where did they get everything here for this equipment? You know all these different you know pipes and and you know <laughs> there there are definitely things missing in the oh you know what I have an idea. In one of the first episodes, we we noticed that someone was walking around with a trombone. Yeah. So maybe they they took apart the trombone. Yeah. And use that because because it does look like a, the the rounded part of a trombone. Yeah, and attached to like a, a pot, really, and maybe a trash can yeah. lid. The only thing that's throwing mm. me is we see the horn of the trombone or the bell go up and curve. Then we see the slide part, but then there's that next piece that's kind of attached with string and rope. I don't know what that is or where they would have gotten it, like what that particular part is. Maybe when they zoom in on it, we'll see it. But yeah, I'm just noticing now that it's a trombone, which is fantastic. Because who would think, who would think to use a trombone to craft what they've crafted? Yeah, but what's amazing is the fact that that I actually noticed a trombone uh, <laughs> all those all those months ago. There was a guy who was just carrying a trombone with him, you know, completely randomly. It wasn't even something that that. And wow, wow, this is this is one of the biggest finds of of the movie. That was, in my opinion, it's Chekhov's trombone. Wow! <laughs> you see a trombone in the first act, you got to use it by the second. <laughs> That's great. Oh man! 
I love this. I love this so much. I love how primitive it is, but it works. Um, I've been to a handful of distilleries and taken tours. My brother is actually a brewer. He's been making beer for going on 10 years now. Uh, And I've watched him go from home brewing kits, which is literally plastic tubes and five-gallon buckets, to the machines that he works on now, these massive you know, 200-barrel fermenters and bright tanks and all the machinery and everything. So as soon as I saw this, I'm like, all right, it's still – and I still thought it was vodka because uh, vodka is a potato-based liqueur. Then, you know, it seems a little bit stronger than that because of the reactions that they have to it when they finally partake in uh, what's coming out. But what kind of surprises me, they kind of – there's a liquid that starts to drip out, and they dip their finger in there, and they immediately don't scream in pain because I see all the steam. Obviously, it's being heated by something. Wouldn't it be piping hot coming out of there, or is that me? <laughs> I think so. I would definitely think so. Like it's the only thing that I'm like, what? Um, I mean, I, I started doing I started doing a little bit of research as to how one would make uh, this type of you know th- this type of mm-hmm. moonshine vodka, and one of the things that that that, that I read was first of all you have to uh, ferment mm-hmm. it for mm-hmm. at least two weeks. So they're they're spending a lot of time yeah. with this if they're if they're right now I mean but but again they're 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 grinding up the potatoes and immediately drinking it so something is is off from that perspective from what I can tell you know they weren't able to to let it ferment as well but one of the things that I found here that that and again I know nothing about booze or how to make it mm-hmm. or even drink it I don't drink because it just mm-hmm. doesn't do anything for me. But but I found online a chart that basically shows what percentage of the the, the batch that you make, like what's mm-hmm. drinkable and what's not. And so there's a thing called the four shots at the very beginning, uh, which is five percent of, of mm-hmm. what you used, and it says that it contains <laughs> methanol. <laughs> Therefore, it's extremely volatile and toxic, and you should not consume this part of the, of uh, this part of it. Okay, you probably should. You probably should ask your brother who knows about these things about how that actually works. But my assumption is is that that's what they're tasting right now. So forget about the fact that it's that it's boiling hot. Yeah, <laughs> it's poison. It's, and they must have had some rot gut in and the past, and then they just go wow. One second, you you got to hear this. It says take care to ins- to isolate your four shots throughout and throw them out. Consuming methanol can cause an array of issues, including blindness. So now we know what happened to Blythe. Wow. Blythe has been siphoning off from from their, their four shots. And, that's, and, of course, he's roommates, so he would easily have access to it. Wow. There you go. Even though they're, they're in a closet. <laughs> but, okay. and, and then it says the next 30% is known as heads. Okay, and it says these heads are filled with volatile mm. alcohols, mostly known as acetone. Oh. And it says acetone has a distinct solvent-like <laughs> smell, making its identification pretty easy for anyone with a working nose. Drinking your heads won't make you blind, but they will leave you with the worst hangover. I would, I would have life. to imagine so if it's like acetone. And and what I, exactly? Oh. And then one second, here's the last line: Like your four shots, you'll want to isolate these and throw them out. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> well, waste not, want not, right? <laughs> Apparently, if you're if you're already in, in solid oh. three, then who cares? 
it's and it's just funny because they're trying to hide it. Wouldn't wouldn't somebody smell it? Wouldn't somebody hear golf banging around and them trying? I love how when he pulls him in, he tries to like quietly close the door behind it and lock it. Like there there's too much noise and too much smell for someone not to know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So the third part of of the the brew is another thirty percent. It's the sweet spot of the vodka run, known as the hearts. And what it says is that you'll notice the solvent smell of acetone taper off and a sweet-smelling ethanol come forward. This is where a skillful distiller really shines. Maximizing high-quality hearts is a game of the senses. By accurately identifying where the acetone stops and the ethanol begins, a distiller maximizes their number of high-quality jars of product. The main giveaways are the solvent smell of acetone and the sweet, smooth taste of ethanol. So, this is great, isn't it? Uh, how about now? No? Okay. Uh, how about now? No, no, not yet. This is, it, 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 it's too much like acetone. <laughs> and then you get the final stage, known as the tails. So the final 35% of your vodka run will be the tails. The tails contain protein and carbohydrates from the wash that you don't want in your product. <laughs> you can actually set the sales aside and run them as their own wash in the future to pull out a uh, pull out a bit more product the best way to identify tails is the steep drop in sweetness and sweetness as ethanol concentrates mm. decrease you'll also begin to see an oily film on top of the project product so I, I found this very interesting like I said I'm not a drinker at all but it's just hilarious that what I just learned in a few minutes on Google Tells me that poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there. It's it's pretty intense, and that's probably why they get the slight reaction that they do. With like, hey, we not only did we made this work, like, oh, this is poison. Like, this is gonna, this is what's gonna make it happen, fellas. That's funny. Yeah, completely. Now, the part of the contraptions that they use, it looks like they're using what what one would use for a, to mince meat. You know, they're like mix. They're they're mincing potatoes. It does look like that, and it kind of makes me curious as to a why because we don't really see anything coming out of it, right? Especially when you have Hiltz, he's spinning his around, and nothing. I mean, it, all, it looks jammed up and gunked up, to be honest. Like nothing's coming out. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious yeah, as to because I've never seen it done with potatoes, like corn and wheat, sure. But with potato, I'm wondering what the process would be of how you have to open it up to get the starches out. Could you cube it, dice it, slice it, mash? But I guess in this one, they just want to mince it, like you said, as best they can. Right. You know, then they, they, they see that the pot starts boiling, and they, they run around to try and check out what's coming out of the pipe. And then they see a little bit of booze come out. So then you, you get McQueen, stick his finger out and taste it, and go, wow. <laughs> and then... And then Henley dips in his, his finger in, and then he gives his wow. And then we get Goff, who who doesn't mm -hmm. even take a finger. He puts his whole hand there. He like he palms it. <laughs> How he, much can I get? Yeah. And he puts his whole. He, what, what's funny is he yeah. puts it on his palm, yeah. and he licks his fingers. And, and it, the reactions are great because. <laughs> Because they'd look over one in complete shock, like I can't believe you just did that, and the other one excited, like, "Yeah, this is gonna backfire." 
completely. <laughs> and as we've just established, all three of them just drink mm-hmm. complete poison. You know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's just very interesting to, to see. I, I think I, I heard somewhere or read somewhere that, that they were all trying to outdo one another with their wows. I can see that being a, you know, a thing. Show, you know, to show how, how 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 good of an actor each of them could be, that they can try and, and make it seem even more yeah. potent than it really is. Because my assumption is is that they're 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 tasting water. Probably, and they're like, hey, that's my assumption. fellas, we're going to have an incredulous off. Whoever can be the most incredulous, they they win the prize. That's true. Hmm. All right. You have anything else you want to say about this minute? Uh, let me see. Potatoes. Check. No, that counts off my list. All right. Great. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with Absolutely. Uh, catch me on Twitter at the Rehack T H E R E H A K. Uh, I have a little radio show. It's called Rehack Radio. You can find it on MixCloud.com. Every Tuesday, an episode drops. It's about an hour long. It's fun. It's fun facts. It's me. It's music. All around's a good time. All right, sounds like fun. While you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using close to the show. You can find us on Twitter at Great Escape MXM. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our email address is greatminute at gmail.com. And our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. So, Nick, you want to come back tomorrow and finish off the week with us? I would love to. All right, excellent. So, until tomorrow, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.